listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, welcome everybody. Um, I just, uh, I'm going to start my talk in just a second, but I just want to stop and say, I know these are like weird times for everybody. It's just so much weirdness in our lives and uncertainty. And I want to say I'm so thankful for this church family. I don't know how any of you feel, but I'm so grateful for the people who are part of our church and in our lives. Yeah, I think it's an amazing thing. And I'm grateful for them. And, and I'm just grateful to be a part of a church family and that through all this, you know, we never closed. We stopped gathering for a while, and we're gathering now. And who knows what the future holds, but what I do know is that God's still God no matter what happens in the world. Amen? Amen. He's still God, and we need to, I think, remind ourselves of that. You know, I think most people would agree that, we, that all of us, and I mean every one of us, we have this thing on the inside of us that wants to be in charge and wants to control things around us. W- would you all agree with that? I, I just think it's there. And you see, actually, you see this from an early age. You, if you're watching online, you, you, you already know this. Everybody knows this. There's something in us, even as kids. Parents see this in their kids. So they, they, from a very early age, they want to start doing it on their own. And you start hearing those words. No, I do. I do. Every parent has heard those words. It's like, no, I, the only trouble is a lot of times they can't, right? But they're determined. I do. I do it. And then, of course, you know, one minute they're telling you, I do it. No. And then they're crying, you do it, you do it. Because it's a, it's a confusing time for a kid. It's really hard for a kid. Because on the one hand, they want to be in control, they want to be in charge, they want to do it themselves, and on the other hand, they can't, you know, a lot of times they can't. Of course, you know how it works, right? So then we all grow up, and we become mature adults, and we don't need help anymore, we can do everything on our own, right? (laughs) Actually, that, that would be wrong, of course, you know how that goes. Simple observation will show you that most of us spend our entire lives Never really growing out of that phase where we want to be on our own. We want to do it by ourselves. We want to be independent. And yet we we just, we aren't, we can't do it all on our own. I mean, there's no question that wanting to be independent, all that's good for us and it matures us and grows us and all that. But the holy grail of total independence, it just isn't a thing. It's not a thing for you. It's not a thing for me. It's not a thing for anybody. We were, I think you could say this. We were actually made to need each other in some capacity. We were made to need others. Whether we like it or not, we need help. And, help. and, and, and uh, often the help comes from the most unlikely of places. Let, let me ask a question. Any parents, Delton Middleville, any parents ever remember a time when you should have figured something out, but instead your kid did, and you felt kind of like bad, like I should have done that, but my kid did that? Years and years ago, I remember this so well now, I was, uh, I was my, uh, one of my sons, he was probably five or six, I'd say, at the most. I was running into Hastings uh, from home to run some errands, and I'd pop this uh, gas can in the trunk of the car. I was going to fill that up for the mower and everything. And so we get up there, and we, we fill the gas can at the gas station. And as we drove away, we didn't get two blocks until this overpowering smell of gas is in the car. I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. So I pull into the parking lot of a business in Hastings. I'm not going to mention which one it was, but I pull into the parking lot, and I jump out. And my son jumps out, and we, I go back. I, I open the trunk, and I lift this gas can up. It was old, and I should have known better, but there out of the bottom of it, it's like a steady stream just coming out. And I didn't know what to do in that moment. I was like, 
I was talking out loud. I think I had no idea I was actually doing it, but I was like, I can't put, I can't put it back in the, and I, and, and it's, it's pouring. Now, gas is pouring out on the parking lot of this business, and I'm looking around like, does anybody see this, you know, and trying to hide it, and, and I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I looked off, and there was a, a brushy bank that went down to some water at the edge of the parking lot, and I thought to myself, I'm just going to slide over there and open it up and dump a whole can of gas out. And I know some of you are going, are you serious? You thought that? You might have thought the same thing if you were in my shoes. And I'm standing there, and I must have said it out loud because my son says very quietly, you could put it in the car. And I said, I can't. That that would be stupid. It would be dangerous. It's already been leaking in there. No, I can't do that. And he looked at me and went, no, in the gas tank. Anybody ever had one of those moments where you're like, that was brilliant, but you can't say it because they're the kid and you're the adult, and you're supposed to be independent, you're not supposed to need anybody? That's exactly what happened. I poured it in the gas tank, and I was like, that was so smart, but I felt like such a dummy because I should have had that one on my own. But I will tell you, that is not the only time that's happened in my life that I've been led by a child. And I'm guessing it probably will happen again, maybe numerous times. Because the truth is, I can't do everything on my own. And as I said, it's as if we were made that way. Now this week we're going to enter a series where we're specifically talking about this idea. And the idea really is of us going back and making sure we're operating in our lives according to what I would describe as the manufacturer specifications. And I'm calling this series Touchstone, as you saw. Now, now, in case you're not sure what a literal touchstone is, a touchstone is actually a stone. And what you do, some, say someone gives you a gold ring and they say this is of certain carat, you know, and you're not sure. So you put different measures on that stone and then you apply some chemical after you've rubbed the ring on the stone as well and it will actually tell you if the, if the ring is legitimate or if it's, because we all know sometimes things look beautiful, but they're not what they look like, right? So the idea of a touchstone is, basically we use it culturally now, and the definition of it would be a reference point against which other things can be evaluated. So you and I, all of us, we need touchstones in so many places in our lives because what happens is, is we just get away from, you know, we start out with an idea, things happen in life, and we're supposed to be this way, we want this to happen, and they slowly morph until we're no longer living the way we had thought we were supposed to live, or it's no longer being, things change. I mean, you've seen this happen, simple thing. You know, it goes from something that used to be fun, and now it's like, it's not fun anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It used to be really great. Now it's, I I don't like it anymore. You know, sometimes when people ask Ann and I, how did we meet each other? Of course, we're old enough now, they think, you know, we were walking our dinosaurs or something and happened to cross on the sidewalk. But they'll ask us, and and often we'll answer, we met over a poker table. We met at a poker game. And the way it worked was, is that when I was 16 years old, I left home, and the house that I moved into, now I'm paying my own way. I'd just come out of my junior year of high school. I'm supporting myself completely, my paying for my room, paying for all my food, everything. Now, and I meet uh, Anne, who has been playing poker with the people that I'm renting a room from. And so they invited me to join in and play poker with them. So I, I thought, well, that sounds like fun. I'd played it a couple times. I didn't know much about it, but I thought I'd play it. And I played a few times. I thought it was real fun until the night that we were playing. And have you ever had one of those times, it doesn't matter what game you're, uh, you're talking about, but it's like everything 
you do is wrong and the cards are horrible. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you cannot win to save your soul. And I started losing money. Now, this was nickel and dime. But what happened was I started losing more money and more money. And they felt sorry for me and they wanted to give it back. But, of course, your pride is like, no, 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 I lost it. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm 16 years old. I'll probably starve to death. But it doesn't matter. It's all right. And so I wasn't going to take the money back. So they kept playing out of pity. But the trouble is sometimes when you're losing, you should quit. Because that night I dropped $200. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much, but this was back in the early 70s, all right? And I was 16 and on my own, paying my own. I did not have that kind of money to lose. And I don't know what it is, but ever since then, I don't like cards. I don't even like games. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had an ex- that, That's called an experiential evolution. You've had that kind of thing happen in your life. Something like maybe you ate something, and even though that thing didn't make you sick, right after you ate that, you got violently sick for whatever reason. Maybe the flu kicked in or whatever, and you don't want to eat that anymore. It's, it's, it's an evolution. It's experiential evolution, and it happens in all kinds of ways. You start a job. When you start working at the job, you delight in it. It's so much fun. But somewhere along the line, you've been working there six months or a year, five years or whatever, it's like now every morning you get up and go, crap, I have to go to work. I hate this. What happened? We say when we're younger, I'm going to be this kind of person. We say at different points in our lives, this is who I want to be. But then life happens and the winds blow and the storms arise and, and you get knocked off course and it's kind of an evolution. And I think what needs to happen in our lives, we all need to head back periodically to some type of touchstone and check again how the manufacturer intended us to live or operate. Now, for the follower of Jesus, and I know maybe you're watching online and you're not sure where you're at. Maybe you're, you're in one of our campuses and you don't know how you feel about Christianity. We respect and honor that. You have to figure it out. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I think those listening to me, you, you, you would agree that what we believe is that the touchstone for the Christian is God's voice through Scripture. The touchstone, to go back and say, okay, how am I really supposed to live my life? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? We find that reality. We go back and we scratch what's happening in our lives against the stone right now, and we use a chemical to see when we look at Scripture, is this compared to what God is saying in the Bible, or in God's Word, we call it, Scripture? And that is the touchstone for the Christian. And there are some things, of course, that are central to all of us, even though we're all unique and different. There are things that we're supposed to be or things that we're supposed to do. For example, I've used this scripture so many times, it's hundreds probably in the years that I've been here, but at one point someone comes to Jesus and says, can you tell me what's the most important commandment that there is? What really matters? Can you boil it all down in effect? And Jesus' response, many of you know this, it said Jesus replied and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, the second is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. In in effect, what Jesus says here is Jesus says, these things, these are how you were made to live your life. You are to love God, deep God connection, and you are to love people. These are absolute bottom line. You know, I'm, I'm so aware of this portion of scripture these days, those mandates. This is like my life goal. It's just a few words, to live in love with God and people. And I actually repeat it every day. And I actually take a little time every day just to say, okay, Jeff, come back to this. This is what you're called to. Because I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm like, I can stand up here and I'm like, 
we're supposed to love God and love people and all that. I can preach it really good. But living it sometimes is hard because people are annoying. For those online, we had a loud amen from a sinner in the front, right, right, right up here. So. But it's true, it's true. It's like, it's like, I believe this, this is what I want. But I find myself wandering away from it on a regular basis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know this is love. God. I'm, to, I'm to live in love with God and people, and yet I find myself, so I have to come back and confront myself and, and, and to scratch my life up against the stone and go, okay, okay, this is not lining up. I have to come back to that which is most important. But see, Scripture not only tells us what we should be doing, what we should be doing in our lives, it actually clues us in on how we should be doing it. Kind of like, as I said, operating specifications from the manufacturer. Just like, you know, tell you, it, it might tell you how you're supposed to operate a vehicle, but it also tells you how you're supposed to maintain and take care of it. You have to keep oil in the engine. If you don't, some damage can happen. And so one of the single most important operating specifications for human beings that you will find Seen in scripture is found right in the middle of the creation story. As God's actually making us, it becomes very clear. Let's take a look at this. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. It says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So let's just stop for a second. So, so God made him out of clay or dirt or dust or whatever it is, and then he was there. It looked like a man, but he did not become a living being until God breathed into him his very breath. God's breathed into us his very breath. And he became a living being. And then we skip down then uh, several verses. And in verse 18 it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be, say it out loud with me. Let's try it. Middleville, Delton, it is not good for the man to be what? Alone. Alone. This is fascinating when you look at that. You were made for many things. But for those things that you are called to do to work, now listen, you were made to love God, to love, for those things to work. You need two touchstone items in your life that you come back to regularly. The first one is you need a God connection. Remember what we read. You're just a lump of clay until God has breathed into you his breath, his breath. There is such a deep connection between us and God. And without that, we will never be able to live out our lives with any effective way. So you need, first of all, a God connection. And then secondly, you need a people connection. Remember what it said? God said it's not good for the man to be what? To be alone. To be alone. This is an important thing to understand. Just like the God connection, I think we can't downplay the importance of this because God didn't say, well, it's not good for man to be alone. But hey, I'm here, so everything, we'll just chill together and you know, hang out. That'll just be fine. No, no, no. If you read it, if you go through it, really from beginning to end, you see that God clearly made us to be in significant connections with other human beings, with other people. And I know most of you know this stuff. I know most people would say, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right, that's right. But I just, look, I just want to walk through this with you a little bit. I want to kind of talk about this. Even if it sounds repetitive, this is so important. See, because we were made for a connection with each other, we have to be clear on the fact that not having that is damaging to our souls. In other words, loneliness, or you can call it isolation if you want to, or you can call it just simply not having what God calls us to, not having those deep human connections, not just a God connection, but the human connections as we were made to, is damaging to our souls. 
I mean, you might disagree with me, but I think this is a large part of the frustration and pain that people are feeling these days in the middle of this pandemic. We talk about uh, the fact that we're so uncertain, and that's true. But it's more than that. It's not just that we're uncertain, it's that we're in many ways isolated from each other whether it comes through something, even now that things have opened up as much as they have, whether it comes through what we call social distancing. Does anybody feel like when you walk by somebody in a store, it's awkward now? It's like you, you just feel like, I, can't, I gotta make sure. I mean, we actually go by people, and instead of going, hey, and moving towards them, we move away from them. And so now we have this thing called social distancing, which, which isolates us. The whole point of it is to bring isolation. And then we have face masks. So you're looking at somebody, are they smiling? Their eyes are moving, but are they smiling or are they, what's going on on the inside? And I'm not making a statement on whether these things are right or wrong. I don't want to get into any of that stuff, all right? I'm just saying that whatever they are, they promote the idea of human isolation. Now I understand why people are asking us to do that, but it brings isolation. And in the midst of that isolation, what that does is it actually damages the human soul. The separating of human beings is damaging to the human soul. Some of you are very much feeling it these days, and you're not even sure why. And you're like, I, you know, I'm well fed, I'm clothed, I have a roof over my head, and, and I go to work and there are people around me, but there's something about these days that we feel isolated in so many ways from other people, and you think, I should not feel bad. You actually should. The reason you feel unsettled, there's a reason for that. It is called isolation, and it is unhealthy. Let me just share again. I shared this a while back, but there was a 2019 University of Michigan study done on healthy aging, and they found something interesting. They talked about the fact that um, older people, this was the whole focus was on elderly people, older people, that they have a high rate of of loneliness. And, of course, that doesn't surprise any of us. We understand why that happens and how that happens. But what they found that was interesting was that of the people who felt isolated, in other words, they felt lonely, almost a third of them would rate their health as between fair and poor. In other words, at the bottom of the barrel. As opposed to the people who did not feel isolated, who only 13% rated themselves in the health category there. And what this, let me just interpret it for you. What it means, bottom line is, is that you are twice as likely to be sick when you're alone. Twice as likely. And folks, this is not a single isolated study. You've heard these things. You know these things. I mean, Britain made a minister of loneliness, for crying out loud, because the data is so clear. This is not just talking from a religious standpoint. This is a fact. Isolation, loneliness, is damaging to the human soul. But the problem for many of us is is that we'd go, well, yeah, I can see that, but we don't think we're isolated. We actually don't believe that at all. And yet so often, we are, just in not ways that we understand, not ways that we see. We are. We're around people maybe, but we're alone emotionally or spiritually or in whatever dimension. And when you are alone, it is damaging to the human soul. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with me or not, this is what I'm contending is that we need significant, now listen to me, we need significant spiritual people connections. This is going to sound dramatic and and, uh, feel free to disagree with me if you want, but I actually think it'd be worth asking yourself, if I'm struggling, 
If I'm having a hard time in my life, is it possible that maybe it is because you are lonely? And I know quickly you're going to answer, well, I work around 10 people every day. I'm all around them. I've got people talking to me all the time. I've got all this. And that may all be true, but that does not mean you are not lonely. Because there's a difference between being around people and being in the same area with people and being in some type of significant, meaningful way. And I think if it's that, if that's happening, if you're unsettled, it's worthwhile to go back to the touchstone and say, okay, two questions. Number one, am I connected to God deeply? And then number two, am I connected to people? Now listen, because this is really important. In a spiritually meaningful way, and I'm going to challenge you. I'm asking you, guys, Middleville, Delton, you're watching online. I want you to, I want you to say, are you connected with people? Anybody, don't answer too quickly, in a spiritually meaningful way. Because that's how you live optimally. Connection with God and then intentional spiritual connections with people. And how you answer the question, do you have any intentional spiritual relationships, says a lot about you. And I'm going to be asking that question a lot in this series. Do you have intentional spiritual relationships? And it will say a lot, actually, about who you are. Not that you're, if you don't, some of you may say, well, I don't know that I do. Does that make me evil? No, I'm not saying you're evil or bad or stupid or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that what it says about you is that you are operating outside of the manufacturer's specifications. So everybody that has a vehicle knows this. You can let it get low on oil. And it will still run and you can still go places. Come on, is that true? And you can go a long time and not check it. But you go long enough. And then one day a little light comes on. And you ignore that. And they're called, you know, you know what they're called, don't you? Idiot lights. And you ignore the idiot light. I don't know what that says about you. But you ignore that long enough. And then your car just stops one day. And it's like, I don't know what happened. You operated outside of the manufacturer's specifications. And it is damaging. So how you answer this is so important. And the truth is, is that intentional spiritual relationships help you thrive. Scripture talks about this. You can't read in the Bible with, without seeing There's so many places. Let me just list a few. Here's one. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, therefore, encourage. Would you read the next two words out loud? Therefore, encourage one another. Not yourself. It says, therefore, encourage. Say it again. One another. And build each other up. This is what you're called to do. This is a huge principle in Scripture. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Here's another one, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage what? One another daily. Not just once in a while, but in other words, you need to do it regularly on an ongoing basis as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. There's so much coming at us. We need these relationships. Here's another one in Hebrews 10.24. It says, let's consider how we may, I love this next word, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It's interesting because, you know, you think about, I think about spurs, I think about horses, right? And horses typically, I think, don't like spurs. But you use them to get movement. Over and over again, and there's so many scriptures like this, what it tells us is, is that we must be spiritually intentional in our relationships because when we're spiritually alone, we're vulnerable. Together, we're better, we're stronger, all of that. We're more resilient. And I know, I know that you know that. I, I would say most people listening to this who are followers of Jesus, they know, yeah, 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 you've got to have other Christians. You know, I've heard all this crap, you know, for years. Preachers talk about this, and, and I have too. But 
See, I think, I think a lot of us know it, but the problem is we don't realize that we actually are more spiritually alone than we might think. Now listen, not because you're lacking relationships, but because you're lacking spiritually intentional relationships. And there is a vast difference between relationships and those that are intentional about spirituality. And so what happens is we know that that's a good thing and everything, but even though we know it, we don't live that way. And we basically what we kind of do is, you know, we drift away from it, even though we say, I know I should have those, because... Because we may have relationships with other Christians or other church people or whatever. But they lack that word intentional. I just, I'm just looking for you to think about this, okay? Just, just press this. They lack the word intentional. You mean well, but if you're not intentional, you know this so often, the stuff that you think is important never really happens. You know, when Anna and I first met, I was telling you how we met over a poker table, but after we, we, when I asked her out, first time, I've shared this story, the first time I asked her out, she said, I don't think so. That's what she said. How nice is that? I don't think so. And then she came back, like, within the week and said, what time are you picking me up? Crazy. So, anyhow, I was just so enamored with her. When we first went out, like, on our first date, I was so intentional I was thinking about every word I was saying. I was like, no, don't say that. That would sound stupid. Don't do that. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about, right? I was so intentional. In fact, when we went out to eat, I was so nervous that I would look bad that I probably didn't eat five bites. We went to a restaurant, and, and then we were going to the fair or something after that. And I just, I almost could not eat because I was afraid it was going to look like Beauty and the Beast, right? You know, where I'd be like, she'd start eating, I'd be like, like that, and then she'd be grossed out. And so I just didn't even, I would say I was in the ditch on being too intentional. And we were deeply in love and, and we got married and then we had kids and I started moving up trying to be intentional but life is so full and pretty soon I found myself going to the other side where I was less intentional about a relationship and less intentional. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, if you're married and you're not nodding your head, yes, you're lying, all right? until I wasn't being very intentional. And every married couple knows that you actually, if you want your marriage to have any health in it at all, you have to be intentional. You don't, have to be, you don't want to, need to be too intentional, but you have to be intentional. This is a massive thing, and that's why when you look, see, I had no evil intent for, for you know, I wanted to drift away from Ann. It's just that I lost intentionality because I was busy with a thousand other things. But that which is most important, you have to choose to be intentional about. And that's why when you look at how God speaks about relationships, it conjures the idea. And we read it. You spur each other on. You build each other up. You encourage one another. There's intentionality. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but at my age, I've actually come to the conclusion that intentionality is the single greatest catalyst to you accomplishing anything of significance in your life. You may want stuff, you may dream about it, you may say you're going to be this or that, but until you become intentional, the likelihood of it happening is very small. Intentionality is huge. So if this is true, and yet drift is a very real possibility, we say, yeah, yeah, I know I should be in intentional relationships and all that. What, what does that mean? What, what, what are... Really, what are we supposed to do? And I want to just give you a couple thoughts. I'm going to do this quickly. 
But the first thing, if you want to have spiritually intentional relationships in your life, first thing is you have to, I believe you have to, on a regular basis, just going back to the touchdown, review your relationships. I'm going to sound like a counselor now. Counselors will tell you that you need to review your relationships to see what the ratio of life-giving versus life-draining relationships are in your life. You need to review them. Because here's the thing that often we don't even realize. We're around people, we're with people, we're doing all this stuff, and we actually call people friends that aren't necessarily friends, but we're just, you know, ah, yeah, I know him, he's a friend, I know her, blah, 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 we, we, we talk. But have we really evaluated where we are in those relationships? And here's why that's important. Because those relationships infect you. They affect you. They make you many ways who you are or are not. I love the saying that I heard many, many years ago, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because that is the impact of your relationships. That's a profound influence, these relationships we have. And I'm not saying that your relationships should all be, you know, uh, just positive, wonderful ones that shouldn't love people that aren't, aren't good, that may be life-draining. I mean, sometimes we have those. But you should know. What kind of relationships do you have? And the truth is, is that you don't leave yourself to fate. You don't go, well, I had no choice. You know, you know people are just, everybody's a jerk, and I, that's why I don't have any close relationships. No, fate's not in charge of your life when it comes to your relational life. You are. You are. And you have to make that choice. This is what Scripture says, and I think this is so powerful. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, You walk with the wise, and you become wise. That's the power of relationships. Or you associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, there's no asterisk here that says, actually, you have no choice on this, so I'm just saying it to let you know that that's how it works. It's not saying that. It's saying you choose to walk with the wise or you choose to associate with fools, but it is your choice. And sometimes I think we just don't go back and look and go, okay, what's going on with me relationally? What are, are there life-giving relationships and do they tip to the healthy side or do they tip to the dark side? This is critically important first. The second thing, though, is even more important, and that is, is that you need not only to review your relationships, but you need to pursue, now you've got to get this, spiritually intentional relationships. These are where you go into a relationship with a certain intentionality. I think this has to be part of the follower of Jesus' life, that they're intentional about building relationships that help them draw closer to Christ. Because, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think there's almost like a spiritual, like a law of gravity in nature. I think there's a, something like that in the spirit world, that you almost never fall into strong spiritual relationships, but you very easily fall out of them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This happens in people's lives all the time. They go in and out of their walk with Christ, and so often what they don't realize, it's actually based on their relationship, spiritually speaking, with other people. This is profoundly important. And when you have a spiritually, so let me explain what I mean by this. When you have a spiritually intentional relationship with someone, this is where it's two or more people. It can be two people, it can be ten people, it doesn't matter. They, they have this commitment, they come together to mutually grow their relationship with God. This is what Spiritually intentional relationships are. You are in a relationship with someone for the purpose of mutually growing your relationship with God. So it's not just because you're buddies. It's not just because you like fishing. It's not just because you work at the same place. You have come together, and in effect, you've kind of made a covenant and said, we're going to support each other so we can grow our spiritual relationship, our connection with God. And when you do that, something powerful happens 
you, you, you take your relationship with God to the next level. Now, this is what I would call being in a tribe, whereas in many places we have relationships with all kinds of people, and they're good, they're fine. I'm not criticizing them, but they're not intentional. Spiritually speaking, they're not intentional. And what I'm advocating for is that you pursue those. You share something with people that you're intentional in your spiritual relationship. It, 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 it runs deeper. You share something that runs deeper. And again, I'm going to sound dramatic here saying this, but I think if you're in a tribe with somebody, if you're spiritually intentional with someone else, two people, three people, whatever, in a group, whatever, however it looks, the stuff you're talking about there is the most important stuff in life. And I know your business is real important. And I know you've got to take care of your kids. And I know you've got all these other things. I understand all that. But if there is a God, if you believe there is a God, then what could be more important than your relationship with him? Amen? Anybody? If you believe there is a God, what could be more important than your relationship with him? And so those relationships, those, those vertical relationships are so critical to the horizontal relationship with God. So, so what I'm contending is, is that we should actually be in a tribe. We should actually be in a tribe in a spiritually intentional relationships. Now, it could be a Bible study. It, could, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, literally, it does not matter what you do when you go into that intentional relationship. There's so many different ways you can go with that. I mean, you know, you can be in a support group. You can do, the, the idea is, is that your direction is, is that you're going closer to God and that you're saying to each other, this is the purpose of why we are in this relationship. As again, it can come in so many ways. It can be a, a couple people just saying we're committed to reading devotionals together. It could be a group. It could be like a group of support people. Like, like if you have addictive issues, that like, you know, we have Celebrate Recovery at TVC where people come together to support each other in dealing with their hurts and habits and hangups and all that. It might be because you lost a loved one and you're involved in a group where you deal with your grief or you've been through a divorce and you find support and comfort from others. The idea is it, it, does, it doesn't really matter. Actually, I would say anything short of sin, I don't care what you're doing when you're hanging out. It's that you're there together for the purpose of growing your relationship. Actually, I saw an idea for a new life group. It was a, uh, I was just cruising on the net, uh, the news, and I saw a headline, BBC. I just thought this was interesting. South Africa, this is, it says that the Gabola Church, uh, they connect with God by drinking alcohol. So I thought that was an interesting idea for a life group. All right, I'm just joking on that. The idea is is that what I'm really asking you is, and this is the question, who's in your spiritual tribe? Who is in your spiritual tribe? Who are the people that you can say, and I'm just asking you to think about this. You're watching this? You're here? You're listening on a podcast? Who would you say is in your spiritual tribe? People that you have a spiritually intentional connection with. Do you have people like that in your life? Now, at TVC, we're going to kind of change your vocabulary a little bit. I'm going to be asking this question, who's in your tribe, a lot. And we're actually moving all the different kinds of groups and ideas of people connecting that we have together, and we're putting it under the larger category of just who's in your tribe, who's in your tribe. It's a tribe. It could be what we'd call life groups, or it could be what we'd call a growth tribe, you know, where it's like you could, two people or three people come together and do a devotional three to five days a week and pray for each other. It could be a thousand different things, but the idea is, can you answer this question? Who is in your spiritual tribe? 
And I want to challenge you on that, man, because I think, I think, I think, if you can't say, well, here it is, and here's what we've committed to, it just gets easy to wander away from God. It's very easy. Now, we would love to help you with this. Some people say, okay, I get it. I'm, I, I know I should, but I don't know what to do. We will help you. We will act as coaches. We will do anything we can. If you would like us to help you in any way, we can, we've got people who would love to connect you. You just text the word tribes to 77948. You'll see it on the screen. You just text the word tribes, and we will respond to you. It might not be in five minutes, but we will get back to you, and we will make a connection, and we will help you. We will act as a coach. Now, you don't have to do that, but we would love to help you with this. The idea is... That if we want to be who God calls us to be, we are connecting with God by connecting with other people intentionally. Amen? This is my challenge. I know this is some, some of you are like, i got to think about this. Good. Because this is what we need in our lives. Now, we're going to spend some time in worship, all our campuses. While we do that, would you just be thinking, God, help me to be clear on this. So let's pray. God, we... We need to do more than just talk about this. We need to have these kinds of relationships in our lives. So now as we sing, as we worship, speak into our hearts the next step you want us to take. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.